tonight, episode eight. Last week, I was going to talk about um, a sex offender who um, claimed to need phone calls. But when I did some research, I mean, it really wasn't enough, <laughs> as most of my episodes, chapter episodes, been really short. So I decided to um, do a little something different and talk about someone different, someone very familiar, but yet um, kind of backtrack a little bit that uh, started the revolution of jazz. And so I'm going to go back in time a little bit, stuff that happened several years prior into the actual jazz scene. And that is ragtime music. And the first thing, those who are out there, the first thing when you hear the name ragtime, what person do you associate, what artist do you associate ragtime with? Put it in the comments if you know. Can anybody tell me when you hear the music or the sound or the name of ragtime music, who do you think of? He's very well known. Matter of fact, he was considered the father of ragtime. Anybody can tell me. All right, I guess. I can't believe no one actually knows or not saying anything. Louis Armstrong in Ragtime? Mm, not quite. Someone way before then, before him. Someone way before uh, Louis Armstrong. We're talking about the turn of the almost the end of the 19th century going into the 20th century predated jazz muddy waters <laughs> i'm sorry uh no muddy waters come from um that's in the blues genre scat man uh no if I give you the title of the song, you may get it. The title of the song that everybody knows is called The Entertainer. Anybody. That should be a that should be an obvious that should be an obvious answer. Let's see. I can't believe it. We hear the song entertain and don't look it up on, on, on Google either. Anybody who's on Google, don't look it up. Just take a guess. Anybody remember the song? Uh, well, it was it a movie or a song about the entertainer? Ragtime. He's the biggest. He was, if anybody, everybody, everybody knows. When you hear the name ragtime music, everybody should know. Zoom suits. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. 
No, I'm talking about Scott Joplin. Does anybody know that name? Scott Joplin. The Zoot Suits, that's the style of, of the early the jazz. And that, that's a Chicago thing, too, if I'm not mistaken. But does anybody know the name Scott Joplin? Scott Joplin, yes. He was considered the um, king of ragtime. How was it go? All right, and that's the end of my humming, okay? So that's who I'm talking about, and that's who I wanted to discuss tonight. Um, he was actually one of the uh, king uh, of the early times of the uh, genre of ragtime, which pre predated into the jazz until it you know became a different uh, upbeat so it became jazz so yeah mr scott joplin i'm i'm still laughing about muddier waters <laughs> that's blues all right scott joplin was born on you were singing it so that counts okay as long as you were singing it okay i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you that all right mr scott joplin was born here again, um, it's depending on where you look and who you ask. He was born on November 24th in either 1867 or 1868 in Texarkana, Texas, which is a small town that borders, guess what? Texas and Arkansas, hence Texarkana, for those who didn't realize, because if, if you ever heard of um, Texarkana, and by the way, people who have been on this bot podcast for the past, ever since I started in the blues genre, there was somebody else that was born in Texarkana. And that was Blind Lemon Jefferson. If you can recall back in my first season, when I was talking about the blues, Blind Lemon Jefferson was also born in Texarkana, Texas. Okay, so but anyway, um, Scott Joplin, his parents um, were both musicians. They both had a uh, a feel for music. His mother' name was Florence Givens, and she was actually a singer and she played the banjo. And his father, Giles Joplin, he played the violin. So again, another artist who came from a mus musical family. Um, at the age of, at a young age, he played the guitar and then he switched on and wanted to play, uh, the piano. Um, it was during the time when they were living in, um, Texarkana, they lived, um, there was a neighbor who saw young Scott doing, you know, playing really well as in the piano. And he happened to have been a musician teacher he he taught music so he kind of took young scott under his wing and um began to mentor him and taught him music and his name he was actually a german music instructor and his name was uh julius weiss so through mr weiss he was able to perfect his uh music talent and also, 
he became a vocalist and played the cornet. Now, it seems to me that when you play jazz and either and also ragtime, it seems that the cornet, the uh, instrument cornet was is kind of popular because as we talked about earlier, um, who was it? that play started off in the cornet. Actually, Louis Armstrong started off, I believe, in the cornet. King Oliver, he started off playing the cornet. So, I mean, it, I guess it, it was one of the popular uh, instruments um, of the day. When he became, when Scott became a teenager, when he became in his teens, he did what most of the young musicians back then did. He left home and joined a band and started traveling around and, and start playing in, in the local uh, bars and in the dance halls. And then it was there while he started uh, learning about the genre, the actual sound of rag, what was called ragtime, what was called rag music. So that's where he pretty much uh, started learning the new sound that was out at that time, and it was rap music. And as you, as it was described, you know, it was a kind of a different rhythm. And I mean, if you know the song, like the Entertainer, I mean, it, it has that gayish uh, type of uh, beat to it. So. That's what, and it was known as rag music. And so he um, began to hone in on that type of, of genre because it, it, it became popular. And to me, it also reminds me of the, the um, era, which was known as the gay 90s, not 1990s, but the gay 1890s. That was that whole 10 year, era of 1890s was considered, you know, everybody gay and happy, gay in terms of, um, emo you know, being happy and joyful and jolly and doing all the dancing. And that's really when the ragtime music and the early parts of jazz started to come on the scene. So, After a while, um, Scott found his way up in Chicago. But he, before he went to Chicago, he settled, he went to Missouri and settled there. He moved there and settled there for a little bit. And so um, around 1883 through 1890, he wrote and published his first two songs, which was called Please Say You Will and A Picture of Her Face. And while living in Missouri, he happened to study at the George R. Smith for Negroes. This, this is this actual school, and that was the name of the school, George R. Smith for Negroes. And that's where he, um, he studied and he actually became a teacher. He taught there as well and he's taught ragtime uh, music to students and mentored the student the up and coming young students that were coming up behind him he would um teach them uh rag rag style of music 
Okay. And so he, you know, during, I mean, as much of an accomplished uh, composer that he was, it didn't, he didn't really start getting popular until he wrote the first hit, which was Maple Leaf Rag. And that gained um, popularity around 1899, in the late 1890s, so 18, around 1888, 98, 1899. Um, while he went to, he happened, was invited to be a, uh, to join a band and be part of the band and play for the World's Fair in Chicago. Now, if, any, if anybody doesn't know, Back in the day, um, they used to have these uh, world fairs. And they these were like fairs that would invite all kinds of people of different nationality and cultures and have this like this exhibition. So everybody from around the world would come to a, you know, and the event Usually it was easy in Chicago, it could be in New York or whatever year. And as you, it was usually during that time, like in late uh, 19th century and during the turn of the 20th century that they had the World's Fair. So Scott was, um, was able to, was invited to play at the World's Fair in, in around in the, 1890s. He also was one of the few that was able to, like I said, he published his first two pieces, but unfortunately he didn't get the credit that he deserved as always. But until he joined a partnership with a guy named John Stark. And then once he joined up with him, this time he, he kind of got business savvy to where he, whatever song that he composed, he would get royalties, some royalties from that. So he made sure that he get uh, some kind of compensation and get uh, residual income from the uh, compositions and pieces that he uh, created. At first when um, Maple Leaf Rag was put out, I mean, he went on tour as, you know, to, to push that song out and it didn't catch on at first, but after a while it started catching on and then it's, he started to uh, sell a lot of copies and, and it ended up, he sold over a million copies. So it didn't, I couldn't, tell how much he, I mean, you would think he should have gotten a pretty good uh, chunk of change from the sales of that, but I, I don't know. I'm sure he got something, but uh, it didn't say exactly how much he received. After that, I mean, that kind of put him on the scene of being a popular and well sought after. He wanted to stretch his, uh, his talent and he started writing for different uh, plays and different um, opera. So he, uh, in 1902, he created a piece of music for a ballet and it was called uh, Ragtime Dance. In um, 1903, he composed a piece called A Guest of Honor. 
And that was, he. from there, he took a tour around the Midwest area. And unfortunately on this particular tour, he didn't, I mean, he met a devastation loss because at one of the theaters where he was uh, performing, the box office receipts were stolen. Somebody st stole the box office receipts. So that that was a financial loss to him. And that, that really set him back. So he had to return back to his home in Missouri and you know, kind of regroup and rethink and try to come up with some more money so he can, you know, survive. So he decided from there, he decided from Chicago, um, back to Missouri, he decided to try his luck in New York. And he tried to find funding, you know, anybody that will fund him to put on um, these kind of shows in opera houses and things like that. And so in 1907 in New York, he was able to get enough funding to uh, create a piece for this opera called Tremonisha. Tremonisha was a story about a black American community near his hometown in Texarkana. So he was able to um, put on that show and you know create the music for that particular show. I don't know how um, it turned out. I hope it, it, it was you know somewhat of a success for him. But that that's how he, you know, he, he kept expanding himself, expanding himself. And I think that was his actual his uh, his claim to fame was able to compose different pieces for different um, plays and ballet and opera and stuff like that. He um, in his later years, um, he continued to compose music. And by then he was married on his third wife. Now we don't even know. I don't even know <laughs> when or how or the circumstances of his first two wives. So he, I mean, apparently he was married three times. So in 1913 with his third wife, who was named Lottie, they formed a publishing, their own, they created their own publishing company to publish um, songs. And from there, you know, within three years, they publish other people's music as well as their own and all the pieces that he um, composed and pub and self-published. However, in 1916, Scott Joplin became kind of sick and it started, he started getting sick didn't un, you know didn't know what was going on until he went to the doctor and found out that he was in the early stages of of syphilis and he figured it was you know syphilis that he might have you know caught earlier in you know several years prior to 1916. And if anybody who knows about syphilis left untreated, um, it could, it, it ravages, eventually ravishes your brain. You become, um, you know, it, it I, I can't understand. I mean, I, I can't, it's hard to describe, but 
they say that if you, you know, left untreated syphilis does attack the brain to where your brain is pretty much mush after a while. And that's basically what happened um, with him um, between 1916 and 1917. He became hospitalized and after a while he had to go to a mental institution and that's where he died. He died on April Fool's Day in 1917 from syphilis. And because at that time he was his, his brain was far gone. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that's what happened to um, Al Capone. Al Capone died of syphilis because after a while his, his, you know, he started deteriorating and it, you know, attacked his brain and he was pretty much, you know, he was pretty much far gone and he eventually died. And I think that's what it was. It was syphilis. So there you have it. Scott Joplin, father of uh, ragtime music. Like I said, I decided to kind of go backwards a little bit. Um, to predate music that really, ragtime music really was the actual start of the music, not what we know now as jazz. So I wanted to kind of go back a little bit. All right, um, next week I'll have, let's see, we're going into episode number nine. I'll have three more episodes, like I said earlier, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, do some familiar, the last three episodes, I want to talk about somebody familiar. So I'll either, I'm going to either going to do um, John Coltrane, which is somebody I, I personally love. Um, I love his music. I want to do um, Charlie Parker, who is a, was a phenomenal uh, horn player, but he had a uh, rough life. Uh, so I'm either going to talk about, I'm, I'm definitely going to talk about those two. And the third person, I'm not really sure yet, but um, just stay tuned um, next week. One of the two, it'll be either John Coltrane or Charlie Parker. All right. So again, um, thank you for joining. Also, uh, remember to buy me a coffee.com backslash more wine music to help uh, keep the podcast and everything going. Also, uh, hit that share and like button, subscribe to www.morewineandmusic.com, um, become a member. I'm going to create another t-shirt um, that's for the genre of jazz. So I'm going to come up with a design and um, put that for purchase on the www.morewineandmusic website so that it will reflect season number two in um, for jazz. All right. Thank you and have a good Friday. All right. Take care. Bye.